This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. I have a distinct memory from my childhood of asking my mother a question I'm sure she prayed I'd never ask. Why are you able to tell me what to do, but I'm not able to tell you what to do? My parents raised me in a household that was very permissive and supportive, and even so, I still fought with the prospect of being told what I could and couldn't do, a battle all children and parents struggle with. This week's teller, Lynette Lee, was raised in a home with certain restrictions and expectations. In her story, she shares how she grew past the need to fit her family's mold and learned to stop apologizing. Recorded live at Haymarket Pub and Brewery in Chicago in June 2023, Second Story is proud to present Aloud. Bye, Lena. Bye, Jonah. I love you. It's fall 2018. Lena is in kindergarten. We both sign, I love you, and then wrap our hands into each other. My I love you loves your I love you, she says. Three-year-old Jonah wears a serious face. Bye, Mama, he says, before walking directly into the school without turning back. In my periphery, Johanna, wearing her toddler and a carrier, hugs her kindergartner goodbye. We watch as our kids' backpacks bob into the school and out of view. Hi! we say at the same time. We are acquaintances, moms from the neighborhood. She and her husband have brought their kids to my music class at the Hyde Park Neighborhood Club. We don't know each other well, but I know I like her. You walking this way? Johanna asks, then pauses, bites her lip and adjusts her position underneath the carrier. The toddler's blonde waves are tumbling out and her face is buried deep in Johanna's chest. Sorry, she says, and we start walking. It's a nursing thing. I recognize this dance that Johanna is doing. I know the wiggle boogie of situating my nipple in the right spot, pulling aside layers of clothing. I know another part of this dance too, the little shrug and the unintentional apology for something I am not at all sorry for. Oh, I know, I say. Her eyes widen, you do? My eyes widen back, yes. And then, even though I normally don't share this with people I barely know, I blurt out, I've nursed my kids forever. Wait, Lynette, really? She says, and she stops walking. It's an, are you saying what I think you're saying? kind of moment. Really, I say, I'm, I'm nursing Jonah, he's three, and Lena weaned a couple months ago just before her sixth birthday. Happy disbelief beams from her grin. Me too, she says. My older is five and still nursing, and this is amazing. I I've been so nervous about what other kids might say. I thought we were the only ones. What is this word to describe us? Extended breastfeeders is one term. 
A quick Google defines that as nursing past one year in the US and Europe. <laughs> but that feels reductive. Sometimes words aren't enough. I love this part of my relationship with my kids. I believe that so much of what is awesome about us, our peace, our security, Lena and Jonah's confidence and autonomy stems from our breastfeeding roots. So why do I celebrate in secret? I agree with Johanna. It feels so good to know I'm not alone. I was raised in an evangelical Christian family. We don't do that because we are Christians. Were words I heard a lot as a kid. I was taught that I, like all humans, was hopelessly sinful, born that way. And there was only one way to not suffer forever in hell. And it was to believe, not just like say it, but like really believe that Jesus died a horrible death and came back to life. I'm also Chinese. And in our culture, this means I'm born to honor my parents, to obey them unquestioningly. In addition, I'm the firstborn child to immigrant parents. I had to fit in gracefully. Our belonging depended on it. If something was not allowed, I didn't do it. From the outside, people saw me as charming, devout, such a good girl. On the inside, I was terrified for everyone's eternities. <sighs> often deeply sad, housing a million unspoken doubts. All along, something in me whispers that maybe I am not bad because I want things that aren't allowed. And slowly I start to listen. I fall in love with my high school best friend, John. He's Jewish, <laughs> or more notably to my family, non-Christian, <laughs> which is not allowed. 17 years ago, today, we were married. <laughs> Happy anniversary, honey. He's at home recovering from surgery. We intentionally craft our ceremony. We don't utter any words from either family's traditions that don't re represent our relationship. I am proud of this. But the night before our wedding, I find myself unintentionally apologizing to my siblings, to my parents, for not mentioning Jesus or other biblical texts that they believe are required for a real marriage. Fast forward 17 years, winter 2023. I am on Zoom with my aunt Hannah, my mom's little sister who lives in Portland, Oregon. She and her husband were missionaries in the Philippines for years. She went to theology school. To my evangelical family, she did everything exactly right. Recently, she published a memoir chronicling and examining her life from being born the youngest unwanted child of Chinese war refugees in the Philippines to raising and loving three biracial children to adulthood. Reading it leaves me feeling deeply kindred to her in spiritual, creative, 
and emotional ways. I wrote her an email the moment I finished the book. I gushed about how much it moved me, how the curiosity and the imagination in her writing made me feel seen. Then she says from her side of the screen, thank you for your email. You have no idea what this means to me. I feel so seen by you. I don't know how to say this. And then I see it, even through my computer screen, that shrug, that dance of a self-protective apology. All my siblings think of me as the studied and godly Christian missionary, but I am a Taoist. I pull my face close. CE, me too! I have never used the word Taoist exactly, but the moment she says it, I just feel a synchronous love wave coursing through me. I know she means the same thing. I've used words like curious mindfulness, dwelling in paradox, containing multitudes to privately describe the spirituality that's replaced Christianity for me. Being together in this not allowed place with my aunt feels so good. Sometime last year, I have Johanna, my breastfeeding buddy, over for a catch up over tea. Since we last spoken, a whole quarantine had happened and our family had been overseas. We talk about our lives, our writing, and then right when she's getting ready to walk out my door, I, I don't know why I say it exactly, it, it comes tumbling out unsolicited. You know, I'm not like just a straight lady. <laughs> hey, though I can trace my queerness back three decades. I didn't have words for it until recently. As a teenager, I never heard stories reflecting the queerness I saw in myself. I didn't have access to terms like bisexual or pansexual until 10 years after I'd been married. In fact, saying sexual anything was forbidden for so much of my life. My identity as a sexual being didn't seem to belong to me. It has only been about three years since I first tried naming these parts aloud to people outside of myself, to John, to friends, and now to Johanna. My shoulders pop up in a shrug, bracing myself for what comes next. But Johanna looks me dead in the face. Lynette, she says, same. <laughs> right, what do we call ourselves? Right, Johanna doesn't know either. I am a Gen X queer woman in a relationship with a cisgender man for two decades. I'm not trying to keep it a secret but it's also not seen. What are we allowed to call ourselves? I don't know, but walking down our street, I see Johanna, 
she sees me and this feels good. I want to be the kind of person who skips that shruggy, apologetic, self-protective thing I do when I'm about to share something about myself that I think is totally awesome, <laughs> but then I'm afraid other people won't accept. What am I afraid of? A few months ago, I went to the woods. I stay in a tiny cabin by myself. I have ne never done this before, been completely alone in a quiet place for even one day, and here I am for three. I make a deal with myself not to speak, not to read, not to listen to music, not even to journal. I put my phone away. It's just me sitting in silence with my thoughts for hours and hours, watching the steam rise from my tea into the chilly air until it disappears. I shuffle through tarot cards, take a million deep breaths, walk outside, see some deer and an eagle, and I build a fire. I sleep when I'm tired, I'm awake when I'm not, and it doesn't matter whether the sun is up or down. I don't judge myself for any of it. Um, on the third day, I turn on my phone and allow myself some music. I put on Bjork's newest album, and I find a song coincidentally titled, Allow. A soft muted timpani plays repeatedly on the downbeat and flutes and piccolos puff in occasional syncopation. Then Bjork sings in ways that my college voice teachers would give a failing grade. <laughs> Breathing in the middle of words. <laughs> letting her uvula smack against her the opening of her throat. She makes noises that sound like the gasping after I cry really long and hard. Listening, I am certain. I am a mushroom. Pressing my head up against the surface of the soil and appearing suddenly over and over again. Each time I pop up, I am still me. I am also a hummingbird, and I am a bee hovering in the air, braiding treetops together. Bjork sings the word allow over and over, and one of the times I think I do. And a list of things that I've apologized for being rises up over my head spiritual, magical, queer, queering, bisexual, pansexual, capable of loving multiple people at the same time, sensual, mother, artist, free. The layers of words peel away and float up in the air along with the steam from my tea and I watch them until they are gone. I realize I afraid 
that there's only one right way to perform these parts of me. And if I can't do it perfectly, then they won't be mine. I'm always bracing myself for judgment against the words, that's not allowed. But here, where there is no one else around, I see myself so clearly. I am every single one of these things. I am things I don't even have words for yet. My shoulders release from the shrug. I am not sorry. This story was produced by Jenna Myers, curated by Amy Tin, and directed by Elisa Vera Ramos. Music and sound design was by Daniel Eddie Williams. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. To be the first to hear about updates and new episodes, sign up for our podcast listserv at 2ndstory.com backslash podcast, or subscribe to the Second Story podcast on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this 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 is the Second Second Story Podcast.